0: Today's program has been brought to you by Fairway Market, like no other market, a New York City institution that sells the best local, national, and international artisan foods for prices that can't be beat. For more information, visit fairwaymarket.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more.
1: Good morning, you're listening to In The Drink on heritageradionetwork.org. I'm your host, Joe Campanelli, and we're coming to you live from Roberta's Restaurant. We're in the, uh, the shipping container at Roberta's, and today I'm very excited. I'm with uh, someone I've known for quite a few years at this point, um, Heather Tierney, um, the owner of Pulqueria, Apotec, and the recently opened Butcher's Daughter, um, which uh, I'm excited to, which I ha- have to admit I have not yet been to, but uh, excited to check out. We're going to taste a few of, uh, of of your juices from there. But uh, Heather, Heather, welcome. It's great to have you on the show.
2: Thanks for having me, Joe.
1: Um, so Heather, tell us a little bit about how you got into the, into the restaurant and, uh, and uh, cocktail bar industry. I know you were working previously, um, doing some journalism. You still have a... Uh, a a consulting concierge service tell us yeah
2: I um I kind of landed uh in an in a industry I knew nothing about when I was uh 22 I started working at Time Out New York and um I became a food writer and I started just with small restaurants and bars and and I just kind of worked my way up to become the head food writer and was reviewing tons of bars and restaurants and discovered that I had really strong opinions on what I thought was good and what I thought uh, the city needed. And I started coming up with some ideas on my own, and it all started when I found uh, Doyer Street one day, and I just thought it was so magical and had a vision of making a, a cocktail bar that was another world within this other world of Chinatown.
1: Yeah, so Doyer Street is this, like, really unique like kind of elbow of a street in Chinatown and how, how did you stumble upon this place
2: I discovered it um, one night after you know being out with friends and you know one of those nights where you've been to a concert and then you go to a couple other bars and then you try to friend the Brooklyn Bridge to watch a sunrise so the state that I found the street was was magical in itself and um I didn't even know how I ended up there. And then I tried to find it again a couple weeks later, and I and I thought, did I imagine it? Like, where is that street? Because it's, it's kind of off the radar, and it's tucked away um, on this little elbow. And uh, I, I I found it probably, you know, a few months later, and I, I, um, I started meeting with Chinese brokers in the neighborhood to see if I could get a lease on the street. I had no idea what I was doing, um, but I just started casually looking... In my own time, and and everyone said there's just no way you'll you'll get anything on Doyer Street. There's nothing that ever opens. It's always passed down in the families, and 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 that was uh, like four years later. Uh, something came available, and I just snagged it, just kind of blindly and naively.
1: That's I mean, that's truly amazing story. So you knew that that was where you wanted to do something even before. Yeah,
2: you and had the it idea. was the the brokers kept showing me other. Locations and in other areas, and I just said no. It's got to be Doyers Street. And there was this one specific, um, I guess it was a karaoke bar at night and a Chinese restaurant by day, and it was called Goldflower Restaurant, and that's the space that Apotek is now. And I, that's the space I really wanted because it was in the corner, and I knew that it kind of was wasn't that busy, and I maybe had a shot at at um of of taking it over if that business went under, and um it, it just it finally did one day, and and. And I had an interview with uh, the landlord. He wasn't sure at all about what I wanted to do. And so what I, what I did is I took him out in the town with me one night to all these speakeasy cocktail bars. And he had such a good time. It was 2 a.m. He didn't want to go home. He wanted to go to another one. He'd never been anywhere like these places before. And he said, Heather, are you going um, to do this in my, in my building? And I said, yes, Henry, but it's going to be even better. And it's going to be even more beautiful. <laughs> wow.
1: So wh- where did you go?
2: We went to, I remember we went to PDT, mm-hmm. we went to Milk and Honey, um, we went to probably a couple places that are closed now, <laughs> that I can't remember, but I remember those little two. Little Branch? And yeah, and yeah, that. we probably went to like four places. Wow. Um, and he, uh, he, he just loved it, and he was, you know, he's, he was more open-minded than other Chinese landlords, sometimes they just don't want anything, any change, um, and he was, he was pretty excited. So we were able to negotiate a good lease, and, and then um, we opened nine months later.
1: And tell us a little bit about uh, where you came up with the idea for Appatech. Uh, it, it definitely fits into that, that speakeasy genre, but it's its own thing as well.
2: Yeah, I mean, um, my brother and I um, own the business together, and we're the creative team and the operating team. And, and um, what, what we knew was that we wanted to create a... Um, kind of a speakeasy. Uh, it's less of a speakeasy than more of just of a, a, another world you enter into from the street. And we didn't know at that time we wanted to do kind of this pharmaceutical apothecary type um, concept. But while we were doing the research, we, we discovered that this the, um, the location used to be a former opium den back in the day. So that started getting some ideas rolling. And then we, we thought, well, this would be cool to kind of spin this in sort of an absinthe parlor way let's bring let's bring the opium back in the form of absinthe and then then we started doing some research and found some really cool photographs of um some old pharmacies and apothecaries um european ones and back in the day you used to go and get your medicine at, at the apothecary and it used to be in a liquid form and you'd go and, and you know a bartender would would kind of mix it up for you with the mortar and pestle with herbs and and liquids and you would drink it and then you'd walk out and so We kind of thought that was a really cool idea to kind of present the cocktails that way and to structure the cocktail list in um, sections of the apothecary. So you have painkillers, you have pharmaceuticals, you have um, stimulants, you have um, uh, health and beauty where you have like floral things and and um, herbs and things like that that's
1: so cool and, you know so many of my favorite uh, uh drinks like amaro and a lot of aperitifs are, are really based in this medicinal tradition of of going to even you know in, in the the dark ages going to a monastery and right. getting your herbal medicinal right. cure you know you have malaria exactly. take this you you know, you broke your foot, take this. You have a cold, <laughs> you, you like that. fell
2: off, take this. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, you, you can come in today and talk to our bartenders and, and, um, and tell them kind of what mood you're in and, and what kind of spirit you like and they'll, and they'll make something for you. And, um, it is interesting to, to learn the different, um, different spirits, you know, make you feel a certain way. Definitely tequila. We all know <laughs> it makes you feel a different way than any other spirit. Um, which which led me to the next venture, but um, but yeah, you know, even if we we make uh, non alcoholic cocktails there too, mm-hmm. so a lot of times you know people don't uh, you know they want to go out with their friends, but they don't want to you know have a heavy night of cocktail boozing. We can make any cocktail on the list non alcoholic well, version. Let's,
1: let's dive into this a little bit more about how certain cocktails make you, or certain spirits make you feel a different way. Uh, what? How does, for instance, let's say vodka, how does that make someone feel?
2: So vodka is kind of like a really even-toned um, kind of buzz. You know, it's, it's kind of like your safe bet. Um, it's, it's always going to be, uh, you know, it's not going to really lapse your moods in, in different ways. It's, uh, you can drink it all night. <laughs> Um, and you should probably stick to one not the other um, I, I when we were doing a research we discovered the gin is actually um, affects your frontal lobe in your brain so we put that in the um, the, the stimulant um, category so you know it, back in the day you know s- certain philosophers would use it to get you know the patients to talk and it, it stimulates your brain in that way that you just want to talk about things and discuss things so um, that that that's why we put the gin in that category. And then... Um,
1: what about sugar cane-based or some sort of rum? How about rum?
2: Right. So um, we also have a category, which is probably our most popular category, is aphrodisiacs. And um, some rums, some, some dark rums are in those categories. Um, cognac, champagne. When you, when you mix some of these things, we have a champagne-cognac cocktail that is very popular. We also have one called the Deal Closer, where <laughs> we we, lo- we source some... Local Chinese um, herbs, there's this woman that has a a business, actually, there's some tunnels underneath, um, Doyer Street, and back in the day, there was, uh, gang wars on Doyer Street, and the, the Chinese gangs were called tongs, this is like turn of the century, um, and if, when there was an opera house on the street, and if there was a gang war going on, the the actors would flee through the tunnels to get to their apartments on the Bowery. And these tunnels still exist; they're amazing. I actually looked about, looked into maybe doing a little cocktail bar down in the tunnel, but it was like an egress <laughs> nightmare with yeah. the department. And of you've buildings. been through
1: these tunnels? Oh yeah, you
2: can go down in the tunnels right now. Like huh. they have little spice shops, and they have a little travel agency, and they have, you know, a notary and um, an acupuncture guy. And, you know, these are, like, two, two levels below the uh, street level. But there's a, there's a spice woman down there, and she sells all sorts of Chinese medicinal herbs. And one of them is an aphrodisiac that the common term is horny goat weed. <laughs> so on Valentine's Day, our first year, we, we created this cocktail called the Deal Closer, and just, just for fun. And um, it's been on the menu ever since. It's so popular.
1: Wow, I could just see someone ordering, I'll oh, have two deal closer. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't think I was this <laughs> yeah, kind of... Yeah, it's a
2: conversation starter for sure.
1: That's incredible. Okay, so I, I, I'm just blown away by th- that there's actual, any like scientific evidence to certain spirits making you feel a different way. Do you think that, is there is there anything to the saying that you're not supposed to mix or you should have one prior to another?
2: Yeah, I think... Um... I think we all know that we 've had those nights we go out and we've we 've mixed too many things, and um, you just you just feel it the next day and um, it 's kind of like when you drink good wine, if you drink good wine all night, you can drink a lot of it. If you drink bad wine you, you just you 're going to feel it the next day, and it 's kind of like the way you need to follow the spirits. you should kind of stick to one and um, and you know vodka is always good to. I think um, if you're going to mix, I would end with vodka and rather than just, um, you know, ending with a dark spirit or mixing a bunch of different spirits. I mean, or just try to s- stick to clear spirits and just drink those or drink to the dark spirits and just drink those. But when you start mixing the light and dark... It's when you get into the the danger zone. It's, when
1: you get, it's where you go to the dark place. <laughs> See, I always just assumed that 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 really crappy feeling was just from a big <laughs> night of drinking, and not from uh, from all the mixing. You know, you
2: just probably didn't drink things in the right order. Yeah. Now, you should you should tr- actually experiment with that a little bit and report back.
1: <laughs> okay, so uh, tell us about uh, a little bit about pulqueria. Um, I just uh, actually just was there a, a few weeks ago. Um, we had <laughs> it was we. Did our, our executive, it sounds very very formal and official, but it was just, you know, that executive chef and, and executive pastry chef, and me and my business partner, and and uh, Terry, who's in charge of our finance, we, and our director of operations. We all went to dinner, and then after, we went and for drinks and dancing at Pulqueria and had a great time.
2: Fantastic. Yeah, you told me that you were able to sample pulque for the first time. For
1: the first time. So, what I still am not totally sure what is. Polke. Well, tell us about it and i see you, you brought some it did well. bring
2: some i'm gonna pour some for both of us to have this morning um that's kind of the right question you should be asking is what is Polke? because the story of why my brother and i opened Polkaria is because you know no one knows what Polke is and i read an article in uh, the new york times a few years before we opened it and i i um cheers cheers <laughs> and it was a story about polquerías and and about pulque and i thought how cool is this i don't even know what this is everyone knows about tequila but no one knows about polka. and pulque is uh, made from the agave plant as well but instead of being distilled it's fermented so if you can smell it and taste it it's got that funky uh you know fermented taste um which also gives it a lot of its health benefits a lot of a lot of people think it's healthy in mexico and it is but it's also alcoholic so people mostly drink it because you get buzzed
1: it reminds me of like a funky orange natural wine it has a this does earthiness a yeastiness to it
2: and it's you know it's foggy it's kind of looks like a, a foggy coconut water um but it's got... Um, this has alcohol in it? Oh, yeah. This is about <laughs> the same alcoholic content as, as a beer, a little bit more. And, you know, because it's fermented and not distilled. But what's cool about it is that it's made from agave. So if you drink enough of it, you get that kind of special buzz that you get from tequila. And at Polkoria, we serve straight pulque. We encourage customers to try it. It's um, We're the only establishment outside of Mexico that we know of to serve pulque. Uh, We had, we worked for months on getting a special distributor and able to import the pulque. And, and um, we also make pulque cocktails uh, at Pulqueria because some people want something with a little more jolt to it. So we'll, we'll make pulque cocktails with pulque, um, a produce that's native of Mexico, like uh, tomatillo or jicama. And then we'll put a dash of mezcal or um, tequila into it.
1: What's a, what's the most popular way to drink this in Mexico?
2: It was, so in Mexico they have these establishments called pulquerias, and they all they sell is pulque, and they make it on site in a bucket. It's it's very it's more working class. Um, yeah, I mean some some of the pulquerias, I, My brother and I went to Mexico City to do some research before we started building out the, the project, and. We were really <laughs> shocked, actually, when we tasted it for the first time, because it's made right on site, so it's kind of slimy and funky, and we didn't really know what to expect. And um, so they have different flavors. They'll have all these different kind of flavors. They have something called rooster's eye, which has, like, corn leaf and, and chili, or and they have... Uh, watermelon is very, very popular. Sandia, they call it. Um, tomatillo. They have all different flavors, and they have some really crazy ones, like oyster and oatmeal and i don't know uh, there was a, a no reservations show where anthony bardin goes to a pulqueria and <laughs> tries a, tries a few of them he actually liked them but it's um it's interesting because it's a very big part of mexican culture and um there's it's been around for it's been around since the aztec times the aztecs used to drink pulque and um the thing is is that it's kind of a story that hasn't been told so it's
1: crazy because there, there's so many you know, I, th- I feel like we have almost a universal love of you know Mexican food. Um, at least the parts of Mexican cuisine here that that we get, and there's uh, such a huge population from Mexico here. Mm-hmm. You'd think that that being so important it would be, you'd see it at at least you know someone in the food industry and in the beverage industry would have heard of it. Uh, right,
2: we it- get a lot of um, expats from from Mexico City coming over and then they see that we have pulque and they're just floored. They just, they, they can't believe that we're serving it in New York City. Um, and then we have, you know, just our, our staff. We have a lot of staff from Mexico that, that works at the, at the restaurant and they, when they, you know, they get a shift drink and they'll, they'll get some pulque and, you know, it's very, um, you know, cherished and celebrated over there.
1: Well, I, you know, I loved it in the cocktails that we had that <laughs> night. Uh, but I'm surprised to say how much I like it by itself. And yeah, how much I didn't really... even doctor
2: it up for you here. Usually you put a little lime and a little mm-hmm. agave. This is just straight.
1: It's delicious. And how much it really does remind me of a lot of these natural wines that I like. It's going to make me look at them in a, in a different way. Um, I want to hear a little bit more about uh, Pulqueria. And then we're going to talk about uh, Butcher's Daughter, which uh, I'm really excited about uh, just after a really quick break. <laughs>
0: This is the story of men and You're are listening to Blazian Fish Cakes By Rectech On HeritageRadioNetwork.org Network.org. Steve Jenkins from Fairway Markets. You know, there's no more telling aspect, no more revealing virtue of a group of people having evolved in a lovely way than how they feed themselves, how they entertain, how they put food on the table, what they put on the table. Heritage Radio Network provides the clearest evidence that there's hope for us yet. Heritage Radio's like Fairway Market in that we both care deeply about what you're having for dinner tonight. Heritage Radio Network is not just about food, though. Every time I tune in, I learn something about things other than food, too. Architecture, design, stuff like that. But from where I stand, I still say, if you can't eat it, what's the point? For more information, please visit fairwaymarket.com.
1: And we're back on In the Drink on org. I'm here with Heather Tierney. Of Polkaria, Apotec, and the Butcher's Daughter, um, but just wanted to finish up with a few more questions about about Polkaria and and your little corner on on Doyer Street. Um, I mean, one of the things I, I really love about uh, about those places is how you've captured something that is that is truly unique, that has uh, a story, that has a soul. Um, I'm still sipping on on my polke and uh, thinking about how it's so. Uh, so unique, but also so familiar to me. It reminds me a lot of tasting maybe a barrel sample of wine while it's still fermenting, uh, and uh, I just think it's so—it's just so cool <laughs> that you've done this. Um, Thank you. It's—it's it's a fun place. Tell us a little bit about about the food at Polkaria as well.
2: Yeah. So, um, and you know, the the way Polkaria happened was uh, there was this Vietnamese restaurant next door to Apotec, and we would kind of order spring rolls from them for parties. And um, it, it's, it was a mom-and-pop place just downstairs. And uh, the guy was retiring, and he came to us one day and asked if we wanted to take over the space. And I had had this idea about... Um, I'd read this article about pulque and, and had this idea about making another place that just doesn't belong in Chinatown. And, and what more than, you know, a Mexico City restaurant and, and pulque bar. So, um, so the food is... Uh, very authentic, just as polque is. It's it's Mexico City street food. Um, we have uh, nightly specials every night. We do a guacamole of the day. We do a ceviche of the day. We do an entree of the day. And um, what I discovered when Chris and I went to Mexico City is that Mexican food is actually very fresh and market-driven. And the Mexican food you, you often find in the States is the opposite of that. It's processed, it's heavy, it's cloying, it's um, the opposite of stuff you found from the market that day. And so we wanted to, you know, introduce Mexican food in the way that it really is in Mexico City, which is, you know, fresh stuff from the market, you know, things prepared right there. The taco stands are literally, the, you know, they grab stuff from the farm and they just make the tacos right there. They butcher the things right there. The, the meat is all, like, really, really fresh. And, um, you know, they have these huge, really cool markets in Mexico City. And you see things, uh, you see some really eye-opening things there. Um, like, you know, people eat eyeball tacos and things like that. But um, we kind of, you know, we left the eyeballs there. But we, we do have beef tongue tacos. Um, we have a, a, a pig's feet tostada. You know, we have some stuff that kind of hints towards mm-hmm. the, the delicacies you can find at those markets. But for the most part, it's just, it's really fresh, you know, um uh, the tacos are our best-selling item. We just get people just order tons of those. You can mix and match. Um, we have a really popular enchilada suizas, which is the green tomatillo sauce, mm-hmm. um, the chicken, and and that's been on the menu from from the beginning. That's a really popular dish.
1: Yeah. And so, what's it like working with your brother? <laughs> I'm sorry, people ask you this question all you the time. What? I can just imagine. It's, you-
2: I think one of the lessons you learn is. It's really hard having business partners. So if you're going to have business partners, it's it's probably the best way to to enter into a business relationship because you've had this whole history of having fights and getting over them in ten minutes. And that that's the great thing about you know having a sibling as a business partner. Is Chris and I will have an argument, and then ten minutes, it's fine. And we and we know it has to be fine because we've got business to run. And then that's just how it is in life too with your your siblings. You get over things really quickly. We also have a really strong. Um, shared vision of design and creating experim- experiences for the customer. So we converge a lot on on, on what we want to create, and that makes us a really good team.
1: And how do you divide the responsibilities?
2: Yeah, so Chris, actually, Chris is the head designer for Apotech and Pulqueria, and he's the main reason why those spaces are so beautiful. And um, he... he we come up with the concepts together and then he just kind of takes it into a whole nother level of, um, of creativity and, you know, he really sets the tone of, of entering into another world and, um, and he, we work together on, on a lot of ideas. So I'll have ideas and, and, um, he'll take them into his ideas and they'll kind of merge into what they are.
1: So tell us about the creative process behind Butcher's Daughter
2: so the butcher's daughter is a new juice bar and vegetarian cafe and it's an idea i've had i kind of come up with ideas and i and i stew on them for at least a year sometimes two and then see if they're still so strong and and for me kind of why i do what i do is is i have a vision and i can't really stop until the vision is created and it's just because the vision is so strong and i've I've had um, I got into juicing a couple summers ago. I went went out to L. A. Every you know the food out there is just so healthy and fresh, and everyone's into kind of juicing. and And I came back and bought a juicer and started experimenting with produce. and And the thing is, is at Apatac we we have a juicer as well, and we have an herb garden on the roof, which no one really knows about. Um, and we we make kind of juices uh, that are alcoholic (laughs) and, and, and the way we, I, we approach cocktails at Apotec is kind of the inspiration of how I approach the juice at the butcher's daughter. So, um, you know, we have simple juices and we have heritage juices and we like to use, you know, butcher terms at the, um, at butcher's daughter. So we have like, we like the term heritage, heritage. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) We have our heritage juices are our, our pride and joy there. You have six ingredients or more in those and our simple juices only have three ingredients. And we did that because there's always new people coming into juicing, and we want to capture every kind of customer. So some people just want something really clean and simple; they don't want uh, they want to know exactly what's in it. They they're they're new to it, so those simple juices are really for them. And the people that just want something simple, and the heritage juices is juices I'm really excited about. They have we always we, we highlight one herb in each juice. We use some some sort of exotic produce. Um, and we make the flavors really punchy and bold. And also, uh, the color is really beautiful. And I think I was telling you, we, we, um, we created the juice menu uh, with the colors of the rainbow in mind. So we have red, orange, yellow, and green. And they kind of move through the spectrum of the rainbow. Because the color that the juice ends up being has a different nutritional property. Just like we were talking about how different herbs and, and spirits have, have created a different kind of feeling. In a cocktail. So, what
1: red. Let's say a red juice, for, for so, instance. Yeah,
2: red has a lot of antioxidants. Um, we have a our simple red juice has just beet, pear, and ginger, and mm-hmm. that has um, a lot of detox um, components in it as well.
1: I could definitely use that after last night.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So today, I brought you two of my favorite juices. Yes. Um, what are they? They're the water flower, the number six, which is. Um, that's good for hydration. It has watermelon, fennel, honeydew, cactus pear, agave, lime, and lavender flower.
1: So, a heritage juice. Yes, this is a heritage uh, and, and juice. Bre- and a beautiful, beautiful like bright beautiful red ruby,
2: ruby pink color. Ruby pink. Um, yes. Yeah, so we, ha- we also have a heritage juice that's called Rubies in the Dust, and that one has is the deeper red beet one it has flaxseed oil and a bunch of other things. So this is more of the light one. So I'll pour this one for you.
1: And then, what are the what are some of the premises of when you're when you're coming up with a new juice? Like, how do you how do you approach that?
2: Yeah. So basically, you know, we start with the. There you go. Thank you. Cheers.
1: Oh, uh, cheers to juice.
2: <laughs> we start with. Um, I, I created the juices with my head juiceologist, and I like to call her juiceologist because, you know, we it really was like mixology. We were doing. With the juices. I mean, isn't that amazing? That is so good. <laughs> it's because what is it, I, it has the fennel that gives it that bite. And the watermelon has that really nice, like, subtle sweetness. And um, the lavender flower is just, like, so lovely with the watermelon. It's
1: it's, like, it's really complex. I mean, the watermelon is instantly recognizable.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But then... It, you take another sip and you're like, wait, there's like, there's many more things going right. on here, and so it's it's an interesting juice as well. Right. I think a lot of juices are very like very simple, very one note, but this exactly. is like a complex juice. Like, and that's something that
2: back. I noticed that was missing from the juice market is that like everyone's doing the same thing, and I don't know about you, but you know when you look at menus and you look at wine lists and you look at cocktail lists, you either get excited or you don't, and and I think what was missing from some of the juice menus or juice bars is just that excitement. And, um, you know, I wanted to to infuse that kind of punchy, bold flavors and playful and fun into the juice, you know, the juice recipes. So, it's so good. It's really, <laughs> it
1: is so, it's ridiculous. I,
2: I know. This one, you know, it's, I, it's And I March. love watermelon juice. It's going to snow, I think, yeah. tomorrow, but we're drinking this, like, wonderful watermelon, fennel, lavender juice, and it kind of takes you... To summertime
1: i love i i try to drink watermelon juice whenever i can because i really love it but i never had anything that that anywhere near comes near how good this is this is remarkable
2: it's pretty good so. okay so
1: i'm i'm actually uh slightly uh intimidated by the next one it's uh i mean it's it's a pale green color yeah and i realized that that green I always want to like green juices. I've wasted so much money like trying to buy well, an expensive green they're juice. Well, oftentimes they're
2: not good, but we drink them anyway because we f- feel like that we, we need them. Right. But just because it's a green juice doesn't mean that it can't be delicious. So this is our most popular juice in general. It's our most popular green juice. We have four green juices at the Butcher's Daughter, but this one's called Goddess of Green. It's number 13. This one is good for mental clarity. And it has kale, cucumber, green apple, fennel, Pineapple, thyme, and blue green algae. So blue green algae is the same thing as spirulina, and we just um, um, put about a, a little half of a teaspoon in there, but which will make you live forever. But so we'll try this one now. Let's
1: try that. Is that the same as the uh, E three live? Do you know that stuff? I have some friends who.
2: It's not the same as that. I don't believe. But you know, I'm still learning about all these superfoods. It's, you know, I'll give you a little more because it looks like you're no no no. It's today. enough green. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there you go.
1: Yeah, I am, uh, it's it's kind of that the color of uh a swamp that someone drops in oh, pea juice into. Oh, come on. It's prettier into. than a swamp, <laughs> pre- right? No, it is is much prettier than most green juices. Uh again, like I, I these always kind of don't get me too excited, but <laughs>
2: you'll notice that the oh, thyme, wow. the thyme is really prevalent in there because we juice the thyme and then we also make a um an herbal elixir. So Just like you would make bitters at a cocktail bar, we make kind of, you know, elixirs, but we can't use alcohol, so we use vegetable glycerin. And then we we let the herbs steep in that for about two weeks. And then we use a couple drops of that into it, which really gives it the aroma, too.
1: What, that is really good. That's like, that is, I mean, by far the best green any l- juice liquid that I've ever had. It's really good. And it, I mean, that I think the cucumber is the most recognizable, and then it's, it's very herbaceous, which,
2: yeah, which and I Yeah, did you taste the fennel like. in that one too? Because, you know, both of these have fennel, and, and when I was creating the list with brandy, um, I kind of found out that I just love putting fennel in everything mm-hmm. because, I, you know, just like cocktails, everything should be balanced. It shouldn't be too sweet. And a lot of times, juices are too sweet and and cloying, and then you can't drink all of it. But this is the kind of thing where you, we wanted the juices to be, you know, right from the first sip that you just can't stop drinking it because it's just so flavorful and balanced and and hydrating and delicious.
1: That's ridiculously good. Where, (laughs) so can I buy these anywhere other than at the Butcher's Daughter?
2: So, right now, we, all of our bottled juices are made with the Norwalk. Those are, that's why they're called cold pressed. Those are made every, Morning, starting at two a.m. Our overnight juicer comes in, and um, we currently really only sell them in house, but we're also selling them at a yoga studio in the neighborhood called IMU, and that's on Mulberry. I think it's one thirty-two Mulberry between Hester and Grand. And we sell that. We sell them on the Saturday classes, um, and that's been going really great. But you know, stay tuned. We want to possibly sell them in Montauk this summer. Mm-hmm. We're working on a couple of. Um, Couple of ideas for that.
1: That's very cool. That's very cool. And so you go and you know that it was the same day, fresh. That's the other really cool thing, right? And
2: the thing is, is they last for three days, okay. so you can go and stock up. And, and you know, we launched our cleanse program in January. You can come and get a six pack of juices, just like you would a six pack of beer. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, they last for three days, but we can't keep them in the. We just sell out of them so quickly, and and we're so small that we. We just make them every why, morning. Why is it
1: though that you know you can buy some juices and it's like a month or two weeks?
2: Well, because those those juices that are that last longer than three days, they're pasteurized, mm-hmm. and the only way to have a shelf life in, in a supermarket or somewhere else is, is to pasteurize it. Um,
1: but then you pasteurize, you kill. You have to kill some of the nutrients. The yeah,
2: part. I'm definitely not an expert on on the pasteurization processes out there. I think that they're. Are some that are changing, but at the end of the day, uh, pasteurization kind of takes out the rawness of the mm-hmm. juice.
1: And then, just quickly, if you're to buy a juicer for home use, do you have one that you recommend?
2: Yeah, so you know, I have me. the the Breville juicer at home. Um, I think it's a it's around four hundred dollars. You can get it at Sur La Table. You can get it at a couple of different places. I think they have one that's like a hundred dollars more, but I don't think the the perks are worth. It. I think the the basic one is totally fine um you just got to clean it (laughs) that's the thing is you got to clean it after every use is the only thing that is is kind of a pain um and if you don't clean it then it's just impossible to get some of that stuff out of there um but you know it's really easy to use you can juice anything um I guess the only thing you can't juice is a banana. I was I was told. <laughs> <laughs> Although I did try an experiment with pomegranate once, it uh, didn't go very well. It didn't I, go so well. I don't think. Um, I think that turns to poison. So you should rule number two: no, no pomegranate. No,
1: no poison. <laughs> you um, all right, well, Heather. Unfortunately, we've got we've got to wrap up. I've had such a good time uh, learning. I love the history of Doyer Street and uh learning all about uh the the, me- the medicine and Apotec and like that that is just so cool and something I really relate to with especially in Italy with with the aperitif opening the stomach and the digestive closing the stomach it's it's so cool and then the pulques at Pulqueria you already had me sold and so now uh even, even now more you're going to awesome. get
2: onto the juice
1: yeah I, I didn't think that i was a juicer <laughs> man but uh, i might be now um th- those were awesome so you'll definitely see me down at butchers daughter soon i hope so uh thank you so thanks much thanks for having me on thanks for having- and thank you to, for listening uh this has been in the drink on heritageradionetwork.org